0: Very excited to be in this Advent season, and uh, this is kind of the official kickoff. But our, our kind of light kickoff was last Friday at our Carols, Cookies, and Cocoa event, and it was a great time. Sang a bunch of carols, and it was especially awesome uh, for me because I don't have little kids anymore to see all these kids sugared up and then sent home with their parents. And so, uh, yeah, no, no additional charge for that. That's for free. Uh, so, but today uh, this is the first of our four Advent Sundays. Um, Leading up to Christmas Eve and this year Christmas Eve is on a Sunday and so we are going to have our regular services in the morning and then have our candlelight Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock that night. They are going to be different services uh, as well with different messages so I encourage you to come to one, come to both, whatever uh, fits into your schedule. Uh, The Lord knows though. Uh, But uh, what we're going to be doing here... uh, we're going to be talking about Advent, and it's always good when we step into the Advent season to review what is Advent all about, and then why do we actually even call it Advent? Well, this is this four-week run-up to Christmas, and so the goal and purpose of this is to take some time to, to focus and direct our thoughts, be mindful of, and celebrate the coming, the arrival of our Lord and sa- Savior Jesus Christ, and that's actually what the word Advent means. It is derived from the word, the Latin word Adventus, which is derived from the Greek word parousia. and they both mean the coming, the arrival uh, of Jesus Christ. And so, it's not only referred to the incarnation, uh, Christ's coming two thousand years ago, his birth, but we also see this this word parousia being referred to Christ's second coming as well that he will return uh, one day. And so as followers of Christ, we we sit between these two Advent lights and we are uh, looking expectantly with with hope towards his second uh, arrival as well, where he will come to save those who are eagerly uh, awaiting him according to Hebrews 9.28. So we took a deep dive into the history of Advent last year and we talked about the fact that much of the embellishment that you see this time of year actually is derived from the Christianization of Germany. They celebrated this winter event called Yule. And so that's why when you hear Yuletide celebrations, that's actually what it's referring to. In fact, if you know the song Deck the Halls, fa-la-la-la-la, right? And it actually says troll, troll the ancient Yuletide carols with the word troll actually meaning to sing a celebratory or joyful song, not what many of you guys do on the internet. So no, just kidding. I'm just jokes there. Uh, But But with Christmas and Easter being bookends of our Christian celebrations, uh, the birth and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it only makes sense to have this four-week run-up leading up to Christmas, and we would look Advent to Christmas as Lent is to Easter. But here at Redeemer, even more importantly, we want you to just truly embrace the entire Christmas Advent season, but we also want to be very mindful of the Lord doing a work within ourselves. It's so, so important. With all of the Christmas uh, Christmas traditions that exist, I mean, there's so many of them. Yesterday, we went and got our Christmas tree in the rain, uh, but it might be decorating the tree, hanging with friends and family, uh, drinking eggnog, which I just love, but when you think about it, eggs and milk, and I just don't get why it's so good, but it's glorious. Uh, Singing Christmas carols, certain meals that you bring out over the holidays, Christmas lights, uh, Christmas parties, that feeling of nostalgia that just allows you to think back of former Christmases and then we can't forget about Christmas movies either. So I think our favorite line from any Christmas movie, my personal favorite is, he's an angry elf. Uh, But whatever they may be, we hope that these four weeks here of Advent here at Redeemer, it's not only um, just the traditions that you have as a family or the things that you step into, but also that you would allow the church Hear what's happening at Redeemer to be part of your tradition as well. But, but moreover, this is a precious time of year. This is a time where we remember, where we reflect, and we rejoice in the coming and the arrival of Jesus Christ. And, and if we don't put intentional placards or, or time stamps on here to focus on him, Well, the reality of it is with the busyness of the season, it's just going to come and go without the Lord doing a work within us. So may it be a both and situation when it comes to Advent. May we participate in the timeless traditions that we do as a family, but may we also lean into our faith in drawing closer and closer to him. And so if you've been here at Redeemer, we just, uh, in the fall, we finished up a 20-week sermon series going through the powerful, mighty book of Joshua. And then we just finished up um, a five-week sermon series on marriage, and all the single people said amen. And so, uh, but now we're going to be in this four-week Advent uh, sermon series, and we're calling this Good News, Great Joy, Great King. And with there being so much to talk about as far as the four Advent themes of peace, joy, and love. Um, you could go to a lot of different places, but I'm very thankful for a passage of Scripture that was read uh, by the Kaisers uh, today and that all four of those themes are found in our passage of Scripture that we're going to be preaching through over the next uh, four weeks. And so we're going to be camping out on those five verses. And so now the traditional order for Advent is uh, hope, peace, joy, love. And, uh, but as we see from our verse today, Um, For the sake of exegetical continuity, we're going to start this week with peace. And before any of you cry sacrilege or what have you, uh, just bear with me as we see uh, this theme of peace. And many churches actually add different themes in there change up the order, so it, it'll be okay, I promise. But but if you are about just kind of camping out in a verse and just kind of squeezing all the juice out of that verse today is your day because we're going to be um, just preaching through one verse. Now that doesn't necessarily mean a shorter service, so if you're getting your hopes up there, but we are going to be in one verse, Romans 5.1, the first verse of the reading that you heard earlier, and it states this. Therefore Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so, uh, peace is our Advent theme uh, today. And uh, you could see the obvious from our passage, and it's this peace with God, which is our first point, peace with God is the result of being justified. Peace with God is the result of being justified. In fact, all of the Advent themes of hope, peace, joy, and love are the result of being justified. The entire passage of scripture that we're going to be hanging out in today is a result of being justified. And so it's not a word that we just want to gloss or or skim over. It's a very important word uh, that we spend a little bit of time observing because it should indeed cause us to pause. Cause us to pause because of the great weight, uh, the great magnitude uh, the profound implications that this word justified has on our faith. It, it demands that we stop and, and deliberate and contemplate and consider what this word justified means because it is indeed foundational to our very life. In Christ. In fact, it serves as a gate in which these four Advent themes have to pass through hope, peace, joy, and love. And also, how this passage of Scripture, these five verses, they all pass through this one word justified. In the Greek, uh, the word is dikai a'o, which means that one is declared, one is pronounced, one is deemed as righteous blameless as it relates to our life in Christ it means that we have been pronounced sinless and this is how this is how sinful man this is how sinful man has been made right how, how sinful man has been reconciled with holy God it, it is a declarative statement it, it means that we are forgiven we are acquitted of all charges. It is a a legal term by which we no longer carry the weight. We no longer carry the consequence. We no longer carry the liability of this one problem that mankind can't get around, that that we are completely incapable of remediating on our own. And that's our sin, Our, our sin issue in which we were born into. It is our nature. And so as a result of this original sin committed in the Garden of Eden, Romans 5, 12. 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, all men, because all sinned. And so ourselves, all of us, to some degree or another, we stand in this self-preserving preference when it comes to the issue of sin. And what do we mean by that? Well, we would probably just prefer if God would just overlook all of our offenses, overlook all of our transgressions against a holy God. Uh, Pretend that they didn't exist. or, Or even more so, just have a blatant refusal turn a blind eye, maybe have a skewed viewpoint, or others may even just take an angry fist in defiance and say, I am not going to come under a God that wants to have authority or accountability over my life. I would much rather live in this world that is completely void of judgment, where, where this is indeed the prevailing theme that we see in culture. There's no need for a savior. There's no need for a savior Because there's nothing that I need to be saved from. And so we step into this self-limiting depravity of our own condition. Uh, Meaning this, we play this comparison game. We say we're going to minimize our own sin, our own transgressions, our own offenses towards a holy God. In a self-righteous demeanor, we look to others and say those are the people that are in really bad shape. Those are the people that have these egregious sin issues in their life. And we fall into this axe murder mentality meaning that hell and judgment and condemnation is for the axe murder that we see on the news but me or, or the prevailing cultural theme would say that that i'm a good person at the end of all this my good outweighs the bad therefore the lord is going to have favor on me on that day and that's just not the case that is not reality There indeed does exist a judge who who is overall. And if we were to place these terms in a forensic or, or legal setting, then we would all arrive at the fact that a just judge judges justly. A just judge judges justly. That means if he were to preside over a court... Then his responsibility as a righteous and just judge is to acquit the innocent, acquit the innocent, and call a guilty verdict in on the guilty, and then to punish those who he condemns guilty. If God were a just judge, then that would mean that he would indeed punish those that are guilty and acquit those who are innocent. If he didn't do that, then he would not be a perfect and righteous judge. It would be in direct contradiction to himself. And so herein lies the existential, the, the our existence-related dilemma. We must all come to grips and come face-to-face face with the fact that we have sinned. Romans 2.15, the law is written on our hearts. Our conscience also bears Witness to this. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is righteous, no, not one. We stand condemned. And and because of this, there is a penalty to be paid. There are legal demands that are to be met. The wages of sin is death. And the guilty verdict is this. In eternity, in hell. Separated from God. Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) But as we know, the story does not end there. In fact, the story just begins there. But God, but God what? But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ Christ died for us, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And what takes place now is our advocate, Jesus Christ. He is the propitiation for our sins. With this word propitiation, to appease or to regain favor or goodwill, especially towards a supreme or cosmic being. First John 4.10, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Christ stood in our place as a substitutionary atonement and took on the tsunami of wrath for all of mankind. Yeah, sure. Weight of sin of mankind in order to reconcile, to propitiate. Sinful man reconciled with holy God. And when this happens, there is a transfer of righteousness. Christ's righteousness is placed in us. It is imputed within us. It is credited to us. Christ's righteousness now becomes our righteousness. Christ's death on the cross becomes our death to sin and self. His resurrection becomes our resurrection into newness of life. And when this takes place, we stand before this holy judge, declared righteous, declared blameless, declared sinless. We have been set free, we have been justified. And placing these legal and theological terms aside, what does it mean that we are justified by faith? It, it means that we are placing our faith. It means that we are placing our trust in Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrificial lamb of God. in the one who loved me and gave himself up for me. I have repented of my sin. I am a fallen creature in need of grace and I hold fast to Christ's righteousness I am spiritually bankrupt and there's nothing I could do to take that away instead of holding fast to Christ's righteousness it is by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone Romans ten nine. because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved you will be saved. And if you're here in this room as a follower of Christ, rejoice, rejoice in this profound reality that, Lord, you have saved me. Praise you, King Jesus. How can I not live a life that is fully devoted to following after my Savior? And this is, is why we celebrate Advent. This is why we celebrate the arrival. This is why we celebrate the parousia of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Good news with great joy to our great King. And may this word justification or justified never again be a word that we just gloss or skim over. May we always look at this word and revel in the magnificent glory of our salvation and this passage of scripture Romans 5 1 through 5 is such an appropriate place for the Christmas season because it is a gift of God we see being justified in Christ is a gift from God and as a result of this gift we now receive another gift the gift of peace Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There no longer exists this enmity with God. There now exists reconciliation. There now exists peace with God through the Prince of Peace, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is peace with God that gives us the peace of God. And that's our second point. Peace with God gives us the peace of God. And here's where we're going to land today. And really lean into this. Take it down a couple of different levels here. Because if peace is something that we all seek, why is it something that remains so elusive for so, so many? In fact, if we were to look at some of the antonyms of peace... The antonyms of peace would be more commonplace in our vocabulary and vernacular than the word peace. What are some of those words? War, anxiety, conflict, restlessness, anxiety, again, duress, stress. These are the words that oftentimes mark our life than this word peace. So the first question Is this, in light of what we just reviewed, have you made peace with God? Because without peace with God, the whole definition of peace is one that is completely different. And so, if you have not made peace with God, we would love to have that conversation with you. If you have not made peace with God, you will never truly experience the true godly peace. That is given by the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. What does he tell us in John 14, 27? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Not as the world gives. True peace can only be found in Jesus Christ. Uh, Apart from him... All that we will experience is circumstantial and worldly peace that is really centered around this. Things are going well with me. I'm going to, the variables are going in my favor and things are going to be okay. And therefore, I will receive this circumstantial peace. It's based on when things are going for me or things are not going for me. And this is why the prosperity gospel is so damning. We are not guaranteed a life of health. Uh, wealth. We're not guaranteed a life of prosperity or, or a life that is completely void of crushing hardships. And, and sadly, this is why you see when the tough times come for so many, they just fall like a house of cards. Why? Because they or we at times are placing our peace in worldly things, and we're not placing our peace in the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. A worldly peace is, it tra- is transient. It, it could just disappear as quickly as it came, just like a, a shifting shadow or a light switch. And we have to just stand in this place to say if we, as followers of Christ, are supposed to be the recipients of peace, why is it so elusive? And that's what we need to talk about. Like, let's get real and transparent here. Because here's the reality. In a room like this, if I were to just by a show of hands, how many of us in here, our lives are actually void of peace? It would be sobering. And so we say, like, what's up? I mean, there would be many of us that say, I've made peace with God. But John, I've got to be honest with you. I am not experiencing the peace of God in my life right now. And may we stay in this honest and transparent place. Because here are the realities. There are many in this room that are just utterly exhausted. You're just running on fumes. Between family conflicts, broken relationships, Unforeseen circumstances, having to take care of some individuals that you didn't expect to have to do this. A wayward child, work, school, health, financial, marital issues, parenting, all of these things are just robbing you of your peace. And some may even look at that list and say, yeah, pretty much every single one of those. And you might even be here today saying like, hey, John, I love it that you're trying to hype up the Advent season right now. That's great, but to be perfectly honest with you, all this season does for me is remind me of the lack or loss of something or someone. And it just creates this sense of bitterness, despair, longing for something that I no longer have, loneliness, pain, and even anger. You've got to direct me to something else here. I have to find this peace that you're speaking of because I don't feel it in my life. And there are a couple of ways where this peace is imparted to us. And I think as followers of Christ, at some point in our life, we have all experienced the supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And this is point number three the peace of God surpasses all understanding. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. And this is what we're going to do today. We're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer right here in the middle of our service. Are we a church family? Because if we're a church family, well, family has each other's backs. And one of the best ways that we could be a brother or sister in Christ to one another is to invite the Lord into the equation. So that God of all comfort can give you peace. That he can guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So right now, if you're at a place where you need to experience the peace of God, I would just ask that you stand up. And I know. It's okay. Don't allow The devil to rob you of the peace that God has for you. And we're going to spend some time in prayer. And if you're not standing up, it's still okay. You could still stand up. But if you're not standing up, I want to see you just to go to some of these individuals, put a hand on their shoulder. And say, how can I pray for peace in your life right now? So you could go ahead and do that. And we're going to spend some time in prayer asking them, how can I pray for peace in your life right now? And we're going to spend about five minutes praying. Take about one more minute and then I'll close this in prayer. Lord, you tell us in Second Corinthians that you are the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may comfort others in any affliction. So, Lord, we pray for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to supernaturally fall on the hearts, minds, and souls of your people. God, you are fully capable of all of these things. God, but with all of these things, allow us to find our place at a place of surrender. Knowing that we have no place else to go. And God, I ask that in this process, that your name would be glorified and magnified. God, you are the inner with all of these things, Lord. And God, we just give you all the praise and glory for what you're already doing right now as we pray, God. God, that there would be healing, that there would be restoration, that there would be miracles that take place today. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, church. Thank you for allowing the church to be what it's supposed to be. And thank you for being transparent enough to say, you know what? I don't have it all together. Things are kind of a mess right now. But I'm going to put my faith in the, and trust in the one that can put it all back together. Because the Lord loves what's taking broken, putting it back together to his glory. And finally, there is another place where we find peace in our lives as followers of Christ. Yes, there will be times where the Lord indeed blesses supernaturally that, that we receive this peace that surpasses all understanding, that, that it's going to be poured out over us in a magnificent way. But there's going to be times in our life where the Lord calls us to search for the peace, that the Lord calls us to dig for the peace, that the Lord calls us to wait for the peace. And it's during these times that we have to cling and hold fast to Jesus all the more. We have to cling and hold fast to the promises of God because the peace of God is found in the promises of God. And oftentimes we say, Lord, just take this off my plate. Just fix the problem. And sometimes the Lord Does that. But sometimes the Lord takes us through the trial. He allows us to sit in the trial. And he wants to do that. Because he is doing a mighty work of perseverance. He is doing a mighty work of fortification within our own souls. He's leading us through the storm. Saying that I have work to do in you. And through you. And so when we arrive at this place, may we dive into His Word. May we hold fast to His promises. May we allow right thinking and right meditation to supersede and govern our thoughts. May may we allow the Holy Spirit to provide gasoline for the engine of scripture in our lives so that we may hold fast to the promises of God found in scripture that we may be able to experience this amazing peace because none of these events take part apart from God's sovereign will oftentimes it is fear that stands in the way fear of my present circumstances Fear of the future, fear of my past catching up with me, fear of the unknown. Lord, I just don't know how things are going to work out. Are things going to progress? Are things going to regress? Or even worse, are things just going to stay the same? And all of these things, they lead to stress, anxiety, fear, and even a lack of trust in God. But it's during these times that we have to hold fast to the promises of God found in Scripture. Isaiah 41:10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you in my righteous hand, my righteous right hand. What does the Apostle Paul tell us in Philippians 4? Can you imagine all of the horrific events that that the Lord's chosen instrument, the Apostle Paul, went through? And still, he is able to proclaim these words in Philippians 4 when it states, when he states, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of abundance of abundance and need and plenty and hunger. He knows how to exist when things are going well, and he knows how to exist when the only place he can go to is flat on his face saying, Lord, I so desperately need you. And he says, amidst that, the secret is this. I can do all things through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. In Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In my heart trusts, in him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, my heart rejoices, and with my song, I give thanks to him. And so we're going to just put a stamp on this in communion. Ushers, you could go ahead and come on up. Band, you could go ahead and come on out. And I want us all to just stay in this moment. Regardless if you didn't stand up, regardless if you stayed in your place, the Lord sees all. He is omniscient. But whatever it is that is robbing you of your peace right now, in this Advent season, I want you to just lay it at the Lord's feet. Lay it at the best place to lay it at. The only place that we as followers of Christ are to go. And you guys could start passing. Just to say, God, I need you. I so desperately need you. Give me the peace that surpasses all understanding. And I'll come back up and we'll take communion together. Thank you, ushers. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11 24 and 26 states this. And when he had given thanks, he took the bread and broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying this is the cup of my new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat of this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes let's pray lord thank you for this great opportunity to come into your presence God we don't want to be wind up toys where we just have something like this take place whatever it may be and all of a sudden we're just back on the hamster wheel Lord moreover we pray for steadfastness God we pray for a commitment to receiving what you have done today God, that we would believe in the promises of God. And God, that we would step into our faith all the more. God, these next four weeks of Advent, may this be a glorious season that not only carries on into 2024, but it carries through for the rest of our lives until we see you face-to-face on that glorious day. God, allow us to put our hope in nothing else, God, allow us to step into your relationship, your coverage, the steadfast rock in which we could stand on at all times. God, allow this song to just be an anthem of praise to who you are, what you've done, what you're doing. God, your birth and arrival 2,000 years ago, God, regardless of the circumstance, may we always be standing firm on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Let's all stand and sing this last song together.